Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore. We get together about twice a week to chew on the cud, the spiritual cud. Uh, <laughs> we, we share what we've been chewing on, challenged by, encouraged by, in hopes that it will uh, pass on to you and you can be encouraged or challenged in your own faith and obedience to Christ. This week, we have Jarl Capere. Is yep. that right? Yeah, that's my French name. <laughs> How you say <laughs> Gerald Carper? I was in the Italian job. Yeah, Ooh, a French baker. <laughs> <laughs> they run by my, okay. my storefront. During their 24-minute yeah. None of this car is chase. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a good show or a movie. It is. Whatever it's a classic. It's called. Darrell, you are one of the pastors here. You're always up to some shenanigans, yeah. which is also French for shenanigans. <laughs> and so uh, men's ministry, small groups, uh, just general development, council people, uh, kind of, you got to, you do all the pastor things, which is awesome. Yeah. And some of the non-pastor things. That's true. I once I... saw you install a thing. Lights. Yep. <laughs> lights. I do. I actually have a picture of you installing lights. So wow, that's creepy. So you, it's on our website. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, but I am excited to hear what you've been chewing on and and what you got for us today. Yeah, this probably is something that I have been chewing on <laughs> in the figurative sense. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I taught Bible Project on Sunday. Yep, First and Second which Kings is intimidating, but yeah, First Kings uh, or just Kings. Kings, yeah, yeah. Book of Kings. Depending how long of a scroll you have, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're not limited to scrolls anymore. Maybe we should just go back. It's too late. So I, we already got our verses. I memorized them, yeah. That's not true. So anyways, uh, it's about when Solomon builds the temple and we looked at mm. his life. But, um, you know, if you've been around here for a little bit or if you do some studying on the temple, it's it doesn't take long before you realize there's a lot of Eden symbolism mm -hmm. in the temple mm -hmm. that it seems that what does it mean? Yeah. A lot of the worship and the role of the priests and the architecture and symbolism of temple worship and tabernacle worship can take you back to the garden of Eden. And so I made a little caveat during the presentation about an Eden ethic Mm -hmm. That the worship and ritual and liturgy, if you feel like using that word, of ancient Israel and their worship was always tying them back to Eden and the narrative of their journey so far. So yeah. that what they're supposed to do and not do isn't just some God who floats up in the sky that decides to make rules Right. And being Arbitrary. guilty means you failed at any of them. And then, um, you know, we kind of, we enjoy that kind of judicial courtroom legal language mm -hmm. in our modern understanding of salvation. Um, but I, I did, I was kind of even taken back as I was studying. I'm like, oh man, like so much of how those Israelites were worshiping with the tabernacle out in the desert connected them back to their story of origin to God's original intention for the world and for his relationship with them and the whole purpose of humans. Um, and that, that imagery would always tie you back yeah. to Eden, not just an abstract list of rules. Mm -hmm. So from rules to relationship. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think it's important because that, that paradigm shift can be really integral for somebody's faith when they start to understand the meaning and the context behind what God is doing in redemptive history. You go, Oh, wait a minute. This is not what I thought it was all this time. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing some um, research for the, uh, another class I taught uh, this last fall. And um, one of the observations, it was a youth, like in regards to youth ministry, it was that um, the younger generations are much more likely to hear um, a narrative based ethic or they want to know about the story of God, not mm-hmm. just the rules of God. Yeah. And it, you know, you don't always want to react like, well, just because Gen Z or Gen A or whatever the heck we're on now wants it, that means that's what they should have. Right. But I do feel like it could be a helpful counterbalance to maybe a swing that um, a lot of our church traditions have taken to be very like, well, these are the rules. You broke it. You're guilty. God said it. Do it. Um, A very kind of like stark ethic as opposed to saying, well, why does God ask me to do that? Why is God... Um, ordered the world this way and I'm, when I can put it in a context that's grounded in God's character or his intentions for the world or the story so far, I just feel like it's way more compelling mm-hmm. and it makes God seem it's easier to frame God as love than just like ruler, like your math yeah. teacher or something like that. So, Would you call what you're employing biblical theology? Uh... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like tracing themes yeah, and types. And- well, I guess it's like I was doing some research on the temple and I was watching this video on the temple and they kept making all these connections to Christ, mm-hmm. which at this point we would say, yes, sure. We see how Christ is fulfilling mm-hmm. the priestly role, um, the role of King, which is a lot connected to this worship. But at that, like if I was doing biblical theology in first Kings, I I might not make as many, I wouldn't make jumps to Christ because he hasn't been fully revealed yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm limiting my future knowledge because I'm just trying to read it as if I'm in that setting. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. So anyways, I want to like, there's a lot that we could look at, but I want to look at four ways that I think the temple and Eden relate. Mm -hmm. And then I want to draw some practical stuff out of that that I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So the first is that they're both the place where God dwells. So like just as the temple was the, a place for God's um, unique presence for the priests. So like Eden was also the place where God walked with Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, and that verb there um, that God was walking with Adam is um, like walking back and forth is the same verb that shows up for his presence in the tabernacle mm. um, a number of times. So this idea that um, if the temple is the place where heaven and earth meet, um, if the Bible is primarily a story about heaven and earth um, and God's space entering human space and his desire for those spaces to overlap, then Eden and the temple are those places where God is dwelling with with humankind, with yeah. man. Um, which is like, that's yeah, pretty basic. Yeah. I mean, we kind of know that. Yeah. Um, uh, God's presence to, in, in like... Uh, in Kings, God's presence descends in like this dark cloud, which is what appears on Sinai um, and a host of other like images. It's like, well, God has, has come down on this temple in a, a significant way that didn't happen in um, Ezra and Nehemiah, like second temple reconstruction. 
that they were like disappointed. Like, yeah. oh man, what happened with Solomon didn't happen with us. Mm-hmm. But Solomon's temple was like way cooler. So they should have worked harder. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so it's a place where God is dwelling with people and his mm-hmm. creation. So uh, the second one is that uh, humans are placed um, as images in mm-hmm. God's temple. And so like if you view Eden as a temple that um, every temple is going to have images of of the God. And so Adam and Eve, like humans are God's image um, in the temple. Um, and you see that as like um, Eden is like a prototype of the tabernacle and of the temple. So like um, there's like four tiers of like dry land, the land of Eden, the garden of Eden, the tree of life in the garden of Eden um, kind of replicates like the land of Israel, the courtyard, the holy place and the holy of holies. Mm -hmm. So like, and if you've been around Sean long enough, he's probably drawn (laughs) that or made you draw it, made you draw it. Um, And this is, this is stuff that like really excites me. To me, it makes the Bible like come alive and Mm -hmm. feel way less dry so um that there's not it's not eden and the temple aren't just a place where god and humans can can be together but it's where humans have a a sense of identity and who we are Mm -hmm. um not just what we do but like literally who we are we are the image of god there's a lot you can draw out of that um the third that i want to highlight here is that it's the place where humans uh work and worship um, so when God invites uh, humans, it's like, we're not just here to sit around and stare at the wall. <laughs> like, right. we're invited to um, participate with the creative enterprise that God is doing. He's giving order to the chaos. And he's like, hey, work and keep this garden. Use mm-hmm. your creative capacities to create flourishing here. And those those same words, work and keep, are actually the same words used for the priests in the mm. temple. So it's like, we're not just images, we're, we're the priests working and keeping this arena. So it's the sense of um, man's relationship to creation and like our vocation and like what we're, what are humans actually designed to do? I keep going back to this because I'm like, I, I really think when I, we're, we're going to get here, but talking about an Eden ethic, it's mm-hmm. like, what are humans supposed to be doing? <laughs> and I think there's a robust understanding of like all the categories of life if I can't trace what I'm doing back to in in my mind an Eden ethic, then I'm a little bit off the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, not just like a list of Paul's New Testament virtues, but like a bigger story of am I doing something that a human is supposed and designed to be doing as God designed humans to do? Um, so we're supposed to uphold and sustain the order um, um, with our own power and imagination. So it's God is dwelling with us. We are the image of God in his temple. We are to work and worship as priests. Um, and then it's where we increase and multiply. So there's a relational aspect that Adam's looking for his helpmate. Um, he finds her. <laughs> he, She's made. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, she's cool. <laughs> so let's do this. They're supposed to uh, become one flesh and multiply and create other images that work and worship in God's uh, land and temple. And so there's that like human relational aspect as well, the plurality there. Um, so I want to draw like just some summaries there. Yeah. Is that you see there's other cool ties, but you see these kind of four relationships spring up. And I, I kind of like grouped them this way as I was expressing it, but it's uh, man's relationship with God, which mm-hmm. is God dwelling with them. Man's relationship with self, which is our being made in God's image and our identity 
man's relationship with creation, which is the work and worship and the order. And then man's creation or man's relationship with one another, um, mm-hmm. which is the multiplication and a communal aspect. And so in Eden, you see these four relationships flourishing, um, creating shalom, you know, not just like some rigid <laughs> place or like some white cloudy atmosphere where we float around and mm-hmm. just like hum chants. It's like, what, what was God hoping for? <laughs> what was hoping for this shalom? Um, being with his people as his image bearers, as they work and worship in the world corporately. Yeah. Boom. Would you say that all of the Christians challenges or problems come from a disordered view in one of these four categories? Uh Aha. Because Chris, (laughs) my next (laughs) statement is that what then was the fall? Uh What is sin? Well, it's the disruption of those four relationships. Bum, bum, bum. I was on to something. You were on to something. And so what happens? Uh, Adam and Eve uh, sin. They're like, oh, man, that's a juicy fruit. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was actually a the juicy, candy yeah, juicy fruit? Yeah, that's probably true. So they start <laughs> to hide. So like God's like walking in the garden mm-hmm. and they're hiding from his walk. Like we no longer desire to be with you, God, or like we, there's a gap there mm-hmm. between um, our relationship now is broken. Uh, they start to feel shame. So that understanding of, of who they are starts to crumble there. They place blame. So suddenly there's relational repercussions. It's like, oh, she, she, I don't yeah. know, man. I, this woman you gave me. I was clipping my toenails. <laughs> <laughs> she just, uh, she kind of forced it, you know. And suddenly what we're doing is we're saying, rather than me, rather than absorbing the consequence, I'm going to deflect it and mm-hmm. allow that to negatively affect someone near me. Um, so there's the relational breach. And then the whole purpose of the work and worship is cursed. Like mm-hmm. um, how they're supposed to be reproducing and how they're supposed to be cultivating the ground. It's like going to take a lot of work. And so you're like, well, what's sin? Well, it's, it's the disruption of the relational shalom that God intended for Eden. Mm -hmm. And that is self-evident. Yeah. I think if you're reading, (laughs) if you're reading closely and attentively, you know, I, I, but I think, you know, maybe I'm like over character, caricaturing something but at least from my experience how i grew up in the church it just so often didn't feel like that's how human paradigm and sin was presented it Mm -hmm. just felt like god had a bunch of rules and hey if you break just one you're going to hell Mm -hmm. so you better get jesus and then the whole point is just to go to not go to hell. Yeah, go to not hell. And then hope <laughs> other people go to not hell and yeah. help them to not go to not hell. <laughs> and like, that's the point of humanity. And yeah. and I think we just, um, there's a lot of other questions that would come down the road of like, well, how are we spending my time? Because I just, you know, I made a garden and planted a pepper and put it on my eggs mm-hmm. and ate it. So like, that was wasted time for helping people to not go to hell, you know? Right. So like how, right. that's why it's an ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like how, what's valuable, how should I spend my time, my money, my priorities, what should I be doing and thinking and being, um, and what is cool, um, 
is that if you think about salvation as the restoration of a new heaven and a new earth, that um, Colossians that Christ and through Christ God is restoring all things. Mm-hmm. Revelation twenty one, like get to end, you get to the end of the story. What is it? A new heaven, a new earth. Mm-hmm. That God's making all things new again. Um, and so you find yourselves between these the bookends. And I think if you if you have this whole story in line, it just answers a lot of questions as to how I'm supposed to spend my time and how I'm supposed to think about myself. Mm-hmm. And clearly God wanted Israelite worship to be very like, uh, I, I really don't want to say the word viscerally because I feel like it's like the hot word. <laughs> Is it? I, yeah, I've been using that word for years. No, Chris, you have. I have. Just the last couple months. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the their smells, their sights, their their tastes like I mean killing that animal and walking into that space and seeing the gold and the pomegranates and the holy of holies and the cherubim and the temple curtain and like all that stuff, tabernacle stuff. You're like it is um their worship was so grounded in the the narrative of Eden and mm-hmm. subsequent realities. And I just wonder if sometimes we've sterilized that a little bit in our kind of modern worship experiences and resistance to some things. So I think it gives our ethic a context. Um, It presents God as purposeful and reveals his character and desires. Um, It gives our soteriology a much bigger and more beautiful scope than simply judiciary terms. Not that there isn't a legal aspect. Um, I think it informs how we live today. So, Yeah, I think that one of the most compelling things about it in its self-evidence is that Anyone can look around and see the fruit of sin, the fruit of disordered peace in relationships, in the world, and yada, yada, yada. And we can all equally see, I think, the yearning that we have to get back to that, right? Like political issues, whatever. We have this desire to see everyone taken care of. We want to see everyone restored. We don't want conflict. We don't want these kinds of things. How we get there is a whole different story. But when you when you acknowledge and you identify God's original design in Eden and you see these patterns repeated through scripture, all of a sudden you go, oh, I see how this how this meets the needs that I have and we as humans have, and how this addresses the problems that I deep soul yearning to see solved, that becomes a really compelling thing, which is one of the things I like about UFC, when we share the gospel, we start with Genesis. We start with this good that it was in this ordered relationship and peaceful, peaceful interactions and purpose. And then we go through the fall and the restoration yep. and the glorification someday. But you're right. It does provide such a, a more compelling invitation yep. to not be a floating orb in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. And just like that, the pictures of restoration and reconciliation, I, I, I worked alongside another ministry leader in my last um, job and he had a definition for reconciliation and it's always stuck with me. And he, he said, it is the holistic repair of a severed relationship is mm-hmm. reconciliation. So it's holistic, it's repair of what has, what was a severed relationship. And so um, it, it actually invites us to, to step into conflict, like as peacemakers Jesus right. Like, oh, make peace. Mm-hmm. Like if there's an area where there's not peace, make it. So you step into it. Mm-hmm. You get messy. You immerse in the conflict. 
and you work to holistically repair that severed relationship. And if you do that, then you are doing, hopefully through the power of God's spirit, what God originally intended for humans, for the world, and and um, for his relationship with those things and our relationship with one another. So, yeah. Anyways, we could talk about like, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What is the ethic? But we don't have time for that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> this is a short podcast. <laughs> uh, we are at 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. Well, uh, I think that this can provide, a, like I said, a really compelling place for somebody to think through what their identity is and what their their purpose is and help begin to put pegs and holes for all the other things like evangelism, like reconciliation, like service, like community, like the church gathering. And um, hopefully, listener, you are encouraged in whatever areas you're struggling with and say, okay, how does God's original design and Eden ethic provide a lens to view this through now? Yep. So, And it's beautiful. And it's super cool. It is. And, you know, I've been working here for two years and Brett's never given me like an ephod with some cool rocks on it to where we should bring that up yeah i haven't smelled incense <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can let me wear your ephod when you when, i smell something in this office but it's, not, <laughs> just it's all those pastries Back people keep cave. bringing us I, that's true i keep that open window open day and night so um, well it's currently closed so liar <sighs> i'm so sorry You've been trapped hey, in here well, with my hey, thanks for listening. And I hope it's encouraging. And, you know, as you think about your day, like, man, what's my job? What do I go to? What do I do at work every day? Um, is there, am I doing something that the Eden priest should have done? Yeah. Am I restoring broken relationships? If you are, great job. If you're not, you might be able to trace that. You should try. And yeah. if you're really not, you should quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. But we're not doing the practical <laughs> stuff right now. Just a teaser for part two. There you go. All right, Jarrell. Thank you so much for coming and spending the time yep. here to share with our listeners and me. It's always encouraging. That's all, folks. That's it. See you guys on the next episode. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's Word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples.